Well, it's great to see all of you here today. Welcome to week number one of a brand new series uh, on the book of Galatians. We'll tell you more about that in just a moment. It's what a lot of us tend to do, and that is once we find this grace, this freedom, this free gift, there's this tendency to go right back into a religion kind of a relationship with God or religious type of gospel instead of this grace-centered gospel. And so he says it in the next verse, evidently, Some people came in behind me and are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And that's what I want to talk about today. And the reason is, is because most of you have, you've received Jesus and you found the freedom and you found his grace. And it's just human nature to want to go right back into not what Jesus has done for us, but what we can do for ourselves and turn even the freest expression of God's grace and goodness in the gospel to something that turns into dead religion. In fact, uh, many years ago, I was actually traveling from New Orleans uh, to Baton, uh, to Birmingham. I'd been in Baton Rouge, and y'all know all great preacher stories happen on airplanes, right? Everybody, like, I told you one a couple of weeks ago of an experience I had with somebody on an airplane. Well, this happened to me again. I'm, I, I've been speaking in Baton Rouge, my hometown, and, and it was just easier than go through Atlanta or any other hub. It was just easier to drive the 30 or 40 minutes down to New Orleans and catch, it doesn't exist anymore, this Southwest flight, this direct flight from New Orleans to Birmingham. And so I'd gotten on the plane and you know, it's just like, you know, you kind of just get up 30 minutes and you're, you're right back down. It's a really short flight. And Southwest, if you've ever flown it, you, know, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get to choose your seat until you get on the plane. So you never know really who's gonna choose seats next to you. So I got on the plane and I'm, and I'm there and, I, and I'm a window seat guy because I love, I love even the shortest of flights. I love just a quick little nap. I love the hum. I, love, I just love, the, I can sleep well on a plane. And so I'm there and then while the plane's boarding, this empty seat next to me, this girl comes on. Whoop, 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 high five, everybody. Whoop. I mean, she was just like, you know where she'd been, huh? Bourbon Street, everybody, yeah. <laughs> and she was coming in like, what's up? It's just going. So immediately I'm thinking, oh my God, please, Lord Jesus. I know there's so many seats. Don't let it be plop right next to me, all right? you, as you can imagine. And so she gets on and she boop, sits down. And then the lady with a little cart comes and she orders a drink. She, she got her drink and she does like having it. And then finally she just turns to me and she goes, so what do you do for a living? And that's that question. I always get asked and I always wonder if I should lie when I get asked that. And then I said, and I said, well, I'm a pastor. And she says, well, duh, we're all passengers. I said, no. <laughs> I, said, I said, I'm the pastor like of a church. And she goes, well, oh, well, she goes, I don't like Christians. Now, I know I kind of figured the kind she'd been raised around. So I decided to play along. And I said, yeah, me too, girl. I'm with you. She goes, she said, she goes, you have to, you have to like them. You're a pastor. I said, no, I was raised around the same kind of mean ones you were so much. So I had to go and start my own church. <laughs> I said that to her and I was just kind of playing along. It's kind of true. But anyway, so I was, I was just playing along just a little bit. And she goes, I don't understand. I said, well, I said, actually, I got my work cut out for me. And, and that's because most people, especially here in the Bible belt and obviously you have been exposed to. Uh, one of the two different gospels. And there's one that's kind of real and there's one that's not 
surreal. And she goes, I don't understand. I said, yeah, if we've got a real branding problem in, in, in Christianity uh, because some have perverted the gospel. And I'm basically quoting the same thing Paul is saying to these Galatians. Like, there's one that's really no gospel at all. And she goes, What's the, what are the characters? Like, how do you know the difference? I said, well, one's based on rules and one's based on a relationship. So one of them is what we would call, and I'm just explaining it to her, that one of them is just religion. And I said, basically, religion is man's attempts. It's all about man and man's attempts to get to God, where where relationship is, you're just into it because you have fallen in love with this person called Jesus who decided to pay your bill. I said, basically, Tanya, you got to realize, girl, you know, somebody's going to pay for your sins. Either you or you can let Jesus, like there's somebody stepped in and decided to pay for your sins. And she's shocked. And so she tested me. She grabbed her drink. She shoved it in my face. She goes, what does your Jesus think about this? And I said, well, I don't think he really cares too much about that right now. I think he's more concerned about you. And that if he gets you, he can talk to you about that later. And she goes, well, I've never heard that before in my life. I said, it's in the Bible. And... Um, <laughs> And so about this time, our discussion about the gospel, you know, I didn't have much time. It's just a quick little flight. And it's literally, it's, it's landing in Birmingham. She's going on to the next stop in Nashville. And she goes, I have to hear more. I said, let me do something for you. I said, we have, um, we, we stream our services live. And there are a bunch of people who watch live uh, every Sunday. She's shocked by that. I go, really? I said, yeah, we actually have a bunch of locations. And then thousands watch live online. I said, here's a website. It said, if you'll watch this Sunday, like I'll start my message and I'll look into the camera and give you a shout out. She goes, you won't. I said, yes, I will. And I did. I got there that Sunday. In fact, I changed my whole message around to really make the gospel, I mean, really, really, really clear. I, I kind of changed the whole message that Sunday for her, hoping she would watch. And so I started, some of you were there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Church of the Highlands. We're so glad you're here today. Big hello to all of our campuses, those that are watching, wherever you are. Hey, I want to give a special shout out to Tanya from Flight 35. Girl, I told you I'd do it. I did, I just like that. And uh, I didn't know if she was watching or not. Well, she was. Then very next day in our office, we got an email from Tanya. Dear passenger Chris. Ha, so she has, <laughs> I know, she has a little sense of humor. And she goes, it was nice meeting you on flight 35 this week. I'm currently watching your webcast. Thank you for the shout out. I have thought a lot about what you said on the plane, specifically with making my relationship with God personal. This touched me as I've been struggling with Christians that I think I find opposite to be what Christians should be. Same problem Paul had with these that came in behind him. As a result, I let those experiences push me away. So the, the other gospel made her actually choose no gospel. And now I know how ridiculous that is. So simple, yet no one ever explained it to me that way. Thank you so much. And then she says, thank you for the personal message today. She figured that out. And so, uh, and explaining to me what a relationship with God is all about, again, very simple, yet I've missed it and I'm open to seeing it now and look forward to growing closer to God. I can see why your church has grown. Your teachings are relevant, personal and touching. Now God's moving in her life. She's, no, I'm just kidding. God. <laughs> I think you've got a new online watcher for some time in me. And then I want you to hear her salutation. She closes it. Because a lot of you guys know if you've been here, I usually close a message by encouraging people not to join a church. That's, that's important. Do it later. Join Jesus. Come into a relationship with God. And really in an effort not to make it 
not to confuse you to think that we have something to do with it. And then in order for you to be a Christian, you've got to join us too. I usually just pray that with you right there in your seat instead of bringing you forward. Because I don't want you to be confused that your Christianity is determined because you've chosen a right church. Now, I think this is a good church, but it's not the same thing. And so I lead people, I say, you can give your heart to Jesus right there in your seat. I'm going to do it at the end of this message. Some of you need to choose this today. And I usually say that there's one word that describes salvation. It's the word surrender. No longer will I let my life, you know, no longer will I just live my life according to my rules. I'm going to live according to your rules. Romans 10, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you can turn over the reins of your life and surrender, you can be saved. Well, I did that in that day, not knowing if she was watching and her salutation is thanks again. I'm ready to surrender Tanya. And, uh, we caught her back and led her to the Lord and praise God for that. Hope she's watching right now. So okay. All of that said is that we've got a branding problem. Not only for the church as, you know, a mission and what we're trying to do to accomplish the world, we've got a branding problem for you because it's very easy to go right back into this other gospel, even after you've received it in the right gospel. And that's why I'm teaching you this beautiful book of how to live in freedom every day. That's our, that's our little byline of this series. So here's the key question of the day. Jot, jot it down if you're taking notes, and that is, how am I gonna become godly? So in other words, what is gonna be my approach to getting to God and serving God? What's gonna be the approach? How am I going to do it? What is gonna be my approach to godliness? Now, by the way, this question is true for all religions. All religions have a pathway to godliness. So man's in some kind of condition, it's not right, so the religion has a teaching, and then it has a pathway to getting to whatever that God is. Well, Christianity really is no different. The trouble is most people choose the pathway like all of the other religions. Well, that's not the right pathway. And even in Christianity, it can be messed up and perverted, and honestly, we can all become like this Galatian church. Now, this idea is so foundational. It is one of the core messages of our church. I try to teach it at least every three or four years just because of the sheer growth of our church and the new people. And honestly, those of us that have been here for years and years need to hear it again. This message is so foundational, it shows up in the very first story after God created heaven and, and the earth. The after the creation story, so now God is interacting with man, first story of the Bible. I think it's on purpose. By the way, the ideas I'm gonna share with you are in the last chapter of your Bible. It's literally cover to cover. That's how foundational it is. Let's go to the first story, Genesis chapter two, that the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden, the Garden of Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Now watch this. And in the middle of it, look at this, he made a choice. 
Now, let me clear up something right here, because most people, you think of the Garden of Eden story. If you, if you grew up in Sunday school, if you had one of those children's books, you saw Eve with long hair so she could cover up stuff, you know, the, the children's books. You want to make sure you do that. Long hair. She's got an apple with a little bite in it. Well, it doesn't say apple. And most people say, yeah, that's where, that's where just Eve, Adam and Eve chose to walk away from God and be in sin. That's not true at all. They actually had a different choice in front of them, and it's actually way more deadly. And, then it, that, and that choice leads to sin, but it wasn't originally sin. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life, and watch this, a tree of the knowledge of good. So it was just, it was a knowledge and evil. It was a knowledge base. It was a worldview. It was, what is my approach going to be? What, 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 how am I going to become godly? You basically have a choice. You can do it through a tree of life or you can become godly, knowledge of good, through this other tree. And watch what he said in the next verse, in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't, don't, don't let that be your worldview. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. It'll kill you. It'll make you reject Christianity altogether. It'll put you in a religious tailspin that can destroy your life and it'll destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your emotions. It'll destroy, it'll destroy everything. It's that critical. Well, obviously, you know, God, God wants us to have this right relationship with him and the devil doesn't. So insert the devil in chapter three. And it says the devil came in the form of a serpent and was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Now watch this. He said to the woman, did God really say, come on, think about it. Same thing these Jewish Christians that came in behind Paul said. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Watch this. The woman said to the serpent, well, here's what he said. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Now watch what the devil says next. Not true. That's not the right way. You heard it wrong. And he said this, you're not going to die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Watch this. And you will be like God. Now I want to point out to you here that the devil did not appeal to, to Eve's desire to be rebellious or to be sinful. He appealed to her desire to be godly. He said, oh, come my way and I'll show you how to be very godly. And I want you to see that because most people think, oh, the devil is just there tempting to, to do bad things. No, if you do it my way, if it's a better way. You'll actually be like God. And then there's the word again, knowing good from evil. You'll have this worldview. You'll have this idea where literally you can control your own godliness and it's better. And so she bought into it. So did Adam. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now watch what happens in the next verse. This is what happens when you make the wrong choice. This happens every time that the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. In fact, later in the story, God says, who told you you were in that condition? You weren't ever supposed to know. And notice with me that right off the bat, loss of innocence and shame. Because every time we make the wrong religious 
choice or the wrong gospel choice, it always produces loss of innocence and shame. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, this basic foundational story is critical for you to know, and I know that can be a little deep or tough for some people to grasp, so let me explain it to you three different ways to make sure you understand the difference between the two choices that are in front of you right now. Jot these down if you're taking note, and that is that one of them focuses on what you do. In fact, it's really all about you, and you're thinking about what you do. So let me give you an explanation or an example of this. So you think about not reading your Bible because you love your Bible. You're thinking about how many chapters you've read. And so I used to read five a day, but I'm eight a day. And those people who only read one a day, they're just going, they don't have what I have, right? And you start thinking about, and you've ever been in places or in church, and by the way, that can happen right here in this church where, where you think, well, I've been to Highlands now five years and we got it. We, the rest of them don't, they don't have, and you start measuring us. We, ain't, we don't have it, everybody. We ain't nothing. It ain't, it's not about Church of the Highlands. It's not on what we do or do not do. That's not the focus. The focus should be on what Jesus has done. So we're not thinking about, well, how many, how long did I pray and how many chapters did I read? And you ever been around places where, man, they'll size you up spiritually and they always do it based on what they're already doing well. So I pray every morning. And if you're not a morning prayer person, well, you just do that all day. Well, I just don't work as well. And you're just going to hell, you know? Or if you're in Alabama, it's hail. It's two syllables. Hail. You're going to hail. You better turn or burn. You know, right? And they're always focusing on what they do. Well, that's not the focus at all. The focus should be on what Jesus has done. So let me say it this way. So when I read my Bible, I'm not thinking about how much of it I read. I'm trying to find how much of Jesus can I find in what I've read. And where are you at, Lord? I'm just... If it takes me 10 chapters, praise, whatever, I'm going to look for you. I'm, I, need, I, need, I need to get close, closer to you. I'm not sizing out how much I've done or ready for this. Drives me crazy. Even some of the, so in the pastor world of how much of it they know. And some think they've got some corner on the theological market because they have a deeper understanding than you. Like, no, it's not the purpose at all. You won't see it in scripture. Jesus himself in John 5, you diligently study the scriptures Because you think because you're so smart in the scriptures that that smartness and the amount of it will give you eternal life. Not true. Jesus said, these scriptures testify about me. You weren't supposed to read it a bunch and memorize it a bunch. And it's good to do. Don't misunderstand me. I want you reading it as much as you can. I want you studying it. We have a college where we train people in the Bible. But my goal isn't for them to be knowledgeable. My goal is to get them close to Jesus. I, want them, I don't want them to read the Bible. I want them to experience the Bible. I want them to find the person of the Bible. Because some refused to come to me and have, and there's the word again, life. That word life keeps showing up all throughout our Bibles. Which choice? What, here, here, let me give you another explanation of the difference. And that is that one focuses on getting God's approval because inherently you believe God is mad at you. In fact, Gallup just did a study a few years ago to study America and they found their great you know, discovery was is that America has different views of God based on geography. 
So there's a different view of God in the south and a different view of God out west. You know what the predominant view of God geographically in the south is? Is that God's mad at you, that he's hard to please. I experienced, I grew up, I grew up in church. We had, some of you remember this way back, they had gospel tracks, uh, cartoon gospel tracks called Chick Tracks. A guy named Jack Chick was a cartoonist and, he, and they, were br- they were great. They were great tools to witness to people. They were fabulous. My only criticism of the Chick Tracks were how he characterized God in the cartoons. Because God was always in this massive Abraham Lincoln chair. You know, this mass, he was massive, just, you know, and he had no face. He would just draw a circle and these lights emanating from him so you couldn't see any eyes. I'm convinced that if you could see God right now, he's not. He's actually, the Bible says in Psalm 2, the God who sits in the heavens laughs. So if you have the right picture of God, God's up there going, man, I just love you so much. I wish you could see him. He's not up there going. <laughs> but that's our view. In fact, I grew up, I was so convinced God was mad at me all the time. And I'm always trying to get God's approval. I mean, and, and, and to me, the best way I could describe how I thought of God was the Wizard of Oz. Y'all ever seen the, you know, the Wizard of Oz? Come on, that movie, I'm still trying to get deliverance from that movie. We represent the lollipop guild. Those guys, they need a life retreat. They scare me. Anyway, and those flying monkeys, I don't care what you say. I still dream about them. Anyway, but, uh, but, but, but there's that moment where Dorothy goes to the wizard because he, he, he has the ability to grant her her wish, but he's mad at her. He, she ain't even met him yet. What do you want? I just want to go home. Then go get the broom. You know, prove your worth before I can grant you anything. What do you want? I just want to go to heaven. I don't want to burn. You know, then memorize the book of Proverbs. And I'm out there trying to get God's approval. Can I tell you something? That's the other gospel. Because you don't need to get God's approval. You know why? Here's the right focus. God already loves you. You focus on receiving a love that already exists. In fact, let me say it this way. God knows your sin life and still likes you. Now, he didn't like what you did. Please don't, con- don't, don't confuse the fact that he didn't, he didn't like the sin, but he loves you. He's in love with you. And when you understand that, ready for this? It changes everything about the way you relate to him. Let me say it this way. Your view of God will determine your relationship with God. How you see him will determine how you act with him. And if you think he's upset with you, so here's how it plays out. You're in church, but you did a few things this week that you probably shouldn't. So you say in your mind, well, I better not you know, clap too loud today because Lord knows I'd be a hypocrite. <laughs> and everything in your heart's drawing you to a closeness with God in your worship. And you talk yourself out of it because you think he's mad at you. This is good. Romans chapter five says it this way. God has already demonstrated his love for us. How? While you're still sinning. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to change to start loving you. He loved you so you could change. Let me say it this way. You don't get your act together in order to get to God. You get to God so you can get your act together. He wants you to come into him as close as you can and love him as much as you can. And it's there. You don't get con- condemnation. You get this conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so even though whatever you've done this week, run to him in worship. And I'm going to tell you that love will change everything. It does.
I love this verse in 1 John. We love because he first loved. In other words, whatever we do, the reason I worship isn't because of what I did or did not do this week. I worship because he first loved me while I was still being an idiot this week. One of my biggest pet peeves in my, per, in my profession is when guys in my profession say this. Yeah, t- 28 years ago, I surrendered to the ministry. You ever heard a preacher say that? Yeah, I, I gave in to the call of God. Like, I didn't want to do it, but I did. It's been hell my whole life. I could have been a successful person, but I serve in Jesus. Not me. Not you eating in the wrong tree, my brother. I, I love, I serve, I preach, because I'm just, I can't believe I get to do it. I, I, I love because he first loved. This is just the joy of my life. I'm going to tell you, I want that for you as well. Here's the last one, and that is that one focuses on external duty. Do it, do it, do it. You didn't pray enough. You didn't read enough. You didn't give enough. What'd you do? Was it enough? That's not enough. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it anyway. Just like I said in the last illustration. But the other one focuses on internal desire. It's just the joy of my life. There's a little sign on the side of that proscenium of this stage. I've had it installed at every campus on both sides of the stage. It's a little sign that says, it's a privilege to be on this stage. Thank you, God, for choosing me. I I saw it before I came out here. During the message opener, I'm standing on the side over there. Got some backstage team that helped me get this stuff ready, these screens, and, and we're kind of coordinating our final little coordination, and Highland News is playing, and this, the, the, then the message opener happens, and I'll step up, I step right up to that sign, and I'll read it out loud every time. Lord, it's a privilege to be on this stage. Thank you for choosing me. And then I tap it. Like, it's like my play like a champion today sign, you know? <laughs> and it's because it's a delight. And I want that for you. I, I, I don't want you approaching God because you have to. The way we say it around here at Highlands is that we don't do this because we have to. We, we do this because we want to. It changed from got to to get to. Show it to you in the Bible in 1 John. This is love for God. Let me say it this way. This is how you love God. And that is obey his commands. Ah, see, I told you. There it is. No, watch what the next line says. And his commands are not burdensome. Oh, yes, they are. If you're not in love. If you're not in love with God, that Bible will be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. If you're in love, it's the greatest joy of your life to do what's written there. Everything changes because of love. He who has the Son and has that love relationship has, say it out loud, has, come on, say it out loud. He who has the Son has, that's right, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have that life. it's, It's a pain to do it. So how? Let's close with, well then, how do I eat from the right tree? In fact, I want to give you that language, especially for those of you that are new around here. You know, we try not to have insider language, but every church ends up with some insider language. Well, let me let you in on some code language around here. You ready for it? And we call it eating from the tree of life, that every day that we're going to be those who, who just, we're, we're just living in this tree of life. We're not going to do this knowledge of good and evil thing. We're going to just try to stay full of life. In fact, one of our types of small groups are called life groups. 
where we just settled old religion once and for all and really fall in love with the Lord. In fact, this is the first message you'll hear in that small group. Every one of you ought to go through it at some point in your journey here at Highlands. This is your home church. But let me give you, the, let me give you the, the cream of this message right here. Jot it down. And that is we do it by falling in love. Fall in love. Fall in love. I had somebody the other day. To me, this is just pretty obvious. For me, I understand what this means. I had somebody the other day say, that's just, you make it sound too easy. How? How do I fall in love? And I said to this brother, I said, there's two things that make me in love with Jesus. Who he is, what he's done. When I think correctly of who he is, and I don't see this Abraham Lincoln faceless, mad at me, club in his hand, God. But I see the God in the heavens who laughs and loves me, who just, I mean, even while I'm sinning, loves me. When I think about who he really is, and when I think about what he's done. I mean, last time I checked, nobody was in line to pay for my sins. I just, I just checked the other day. Wasn't nobody there. <laughs> last time I checked, nobody was willing to go through a gruesome death to pay a bill that I incurred. And I'm just, I can't give enough of my life back to him. And I would encourage you to fall in love with the Lord. I, I, I don't need you being religious around here. I need you in love. Because once you're in love, this whole thing called Christianity, this whole thing called the Bible, it all, all, is a delight, and then it changes everything about your life. In fact, this is a beautiful verse in John 14. Jesus speaking here, if you love me, comma, you will do it up a command. You will obey my commands. Now, for years, even as a Christian, I read this out of the wrong tree. Here's how I read it. Chris, if you love me, you'll prove to me that you love me by being a good boy and doing what I told you to do. Don't even tell me you love me if you're not doing what I told you to do. And that is not what it says. You know what it says? If you love me, you will. Don't even think about obeying what I command. Just love me and you will. You, you'll want to. I don't, have, I don't wake up every day saying, now, Chris, be faithful to Tammy. And remember, there's a commandment that says, thou shalt not commit adultery. You better not. So I slap my hand every day and slap my eyes every day like, all right, I think I can do it one more day. <laughs> no. You know what I do? I'm in love. I don't even have to think about it. I don't even, I'm, not, I'm not even thinking about anybody else because I'm so in love. Now, if I wasn't in love with her, I'd probably be looking around. And that's what happens to some of us is because we just haven't fallen in love. Here's my question for you. Which side of the comma are you living on? Are you in the love side or are you in the obeying side? And if you don't get the, first, the correct side first, I mean, this thing's in order. Love me first, you'll obey. Don't obey me and think that's going to get, make the love relationship right. It does not. Are y'all following that, everybody? Huge, huge, huge. Here's the second thing. You want to clap? Go ahead, clap. That's a, that's a great truth. All right, get back to your notes now. Right, here's the second one, and that is be careful about this word right here. In fact, don't even allow it. Don't allow it in your life. Don't allow condemnation. Because as soon as I finish this message, the devil's going to do what he did to Eve. And the Jewish, same thing that happened to the Galatian Christians are going to happen with those Jewish Christians came along and said, uh-uh. And he just works overtime to condemn you. He'll never stop. Don't expect him to stop. And he'll come along and say, you're not doing enough. 
You're not, and then every time, the tendency is going to be go back into performance-based religion when you need to be at that time, you need to come back into a deep relationship with God. By the way, this is not only towards you, it's also you toward others. One of the best ways to know whether you're eating out of the wrong tree is how you view other people's sins. As soon as you start measuring others up, mm-hmm, we know, mm-hmm, you can't even judge somebody else unless you're in the other tree. Romans 8 says it this way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives, there's the word again, just keeps showing up all over your Bible, who gives life, sets me free from the law of sin and death. It's powerful. And it's important. And because that is a reality, because the enemy keeps coming back, the byline of our series, and we're going to help you with, man, all six chapters are beautiful. Don't miss a single installment. Don't, I'm telling you, you're going to love every one of these that helps us have this kind of relation, this deep relationship with God. But here's the key, and we'll close with this, and that is you got to make that choice every day. Lord, today, I'm not going to get in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to stay in love with you. No condemnation. I'm going to see how close I can get to you in relationship. I want you to write that down. I want you to be very still for a moment because I want this next verse, the last verse in your notes, I want you to look up here instead of your notes. Would you do this? Because this verse is our invitation today. That this day, I call heaven and earth, so both are watching, as a witness against you that I have set before you as your pastor and really, more importantly, the Bible has set before you Life and death, blessing and curses, and then I love how it ends. Make the right choice. Choose it. Choose it.